Some years ago, my cousin Goldie and I were traveling on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. We were chatting away, as is our custom, and I glanced up from the road to see a billboard for Rockvale Square. We were almost home. Unfortunately, our destination for that night was Harrisonburg, Virginia. Oops. When we got to Harrisburg, I had gotten disoriented in the rain, headed in the wrong direction on the turnpike. We needed to turn around and reorient ourselves so that we were looking and traveling toward our destination. In the passage from Matthew, Jesus asks four fishermen to turn around, to reorient their lives, and to follow Jesus. Let's take a closer look at the Matthew passage, which tells us the story of the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. We hear that John the Baptist has been thrown into prison. In response to that news, Jesus moves to the bustling city of Capernaum, which was built along the Sea of Galilee. In the town of Capernaum lived two sets of brothers who were fishermen. They surely would have been familiar with the prophecy from the scriptures, including the words from Isaiah we heard this morning, that the people who have sat in darkness will see the dawning of, of light. Isaiah refers to the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali. The brothers would have recognized those names as referring to the land of two of the tribes of Israel, land that had been overtaken by the Assyrians. They would have understood the reference to darkness as a time of political darkness. The brothers were also living in a time of darkness. They were living under the occupation of Rome. Their king, one, king was someone appointed by the emperor of the Rome. They had the burden of heavy taxes and lived under the authority of Roman soldiers. These brothers, Simon and Andrew, James and John, are longing for the light that has been prophesied. They are longing for the establishment of the kingdom of heaven. Their prophets had predicted the coming of a new king, the Messiah, a king from the line of David, a king who would break the rod of the oppressors. God had made a covenant with the children of Israel. After the years of exile and the rebuilding of Jerusalem, their people had hoped for a glorious restoration of Israel. It had not happened. They believed that a faithful God would bring that restoration in the future. Was that light now dawning? The brothers may have journeyed to the desert to hear John the Baptist preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Then they hear that John the Baptist has been arrested. Where is the light? Is it coming? And then news of another person, Jesus, also preaching repentance, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
What about our world? We are also longing for the fulfillment of the kingdom of heaven. We are living in the time after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We have the teachings of Jesus about the kingdom of heaven. And we believe that through Jesus, the kingdom has been initiated here on earth. Every Sunday for the past several years, we as a, as a congregation, when praying the Lord's Prayer, have prayed for the kingdom of heaven to be established on earth as it is in heaven. We can see glimpses of that kingdom, but there is much darkness in our time. The news in papers, television, or the internet quickly demonstrates the brokenness and darkness of our world. There is fighting and wars in many parts of the world. Families have been displaced. Many around the world go to bed hungry. There is darkness in our nation and in our community. We read and perhaps know persons affected by violence in the streets of our state and in the city of Lancaster. At community meals, there are misunderstandings and loud arguments, which on occasion have led to physical fights. There's one family consisting of a mother I'll call Brenda, two teenage daughters, an elementary school son, and Brenda's man or boyfriend. Over the past two years, there have been several occasions of physical fights or loud, threatening arguments in which Brenda and her boyfriend have been involved. It's easy to view people as a problem. People who feel like a disruption in our efforts to further God's kingdom by, by providing community meals. In the book, What Every Church Member Should Know About Poverty by Bill Eilig and Ruby Payne, a book that was studied by an elective Sunday school class uh, last year, there is a description of a different role expectation of persons living in poverty. And I quote, in generational poverty, the primary role of a real man is to physically work hard, to be a fighter, and to be a lover. End quote. So on Monday evening, when Brenda was upset about a cell phone being stolen and suspected another guest of stealing the phone, her brother took on the familiar role of fighter, including physically attacking the person they suspected had stolen their phone. Our attempts to work toward God's kingdom can be messy and challenging. Within the church, including the Mennonite church, there is also brokenness. There are disagreements between persons at the conference level, between congregations, and between members of individual congregations. The church shows the same polarization that is seen in our larger society. We have difficulty worshiping and fellowshipping with persons who interpret scripture differently than we do on issues we think are crucial. Within our history here at East Chestnut Street, 
There have been a number of times when groups of people have left our congregation because of disagreements or conflict that could not be resolved. This week I was talking to Harold and Norma Kilheffer, and I learned that groups of people have left East Chestnut Street because of differences over the radio, use of the radio, differences over dress, differences over styles of worship, and differences over the use of women in leadership. Even though we have the teachings of Jesus about the kingdom of heaven, and through the death and resurrection of Jesus, the power of darkness has been broken, we are still waiting for the fullness of the kingdom of heaven to come. Let's return to our text in Matthew and look at the steps that Jesus takes to begin his ministry. Jesus begins by calling and equipping disciples to join in the work of the kingdom. After the arrest of John, Jesus moves to Capernaum and begins preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The word that is translated repent is not about sorrow or remorse, but refers to a change in the direction of one's life. One source offers a definition for repent to catch both the Greek and Hebrew connotations. And they define repent as, and I quote, get a new orientation for the way you live, then act on it. So Jesus is walking around Capernaum asking people to turn around, to reorient themselves in preparation for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus heads out to the water and begins walking along the sea. As he walks, he sees Simon and Andrew at work, throwing their nets into the sea. Jesus comes up to them and says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Simon, Andrew, and in a few minutes, James and John are being asked not only to repent, but to follow Jesus. They would have understood the invitation to not only walk along with Jesus, but to become disciples. They are being invited into relationship with Jesus. Talk about a new orientation. Jesus is inviting them to turn away from their livelihood of fishing, to turn toward Jesus and follow him. We don't know what thoughts went through their minds. We're only told that they immediately left their nets, and followed Jesus. Listen again to the good news of Jesus to the four fishermen. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, it is possible that Jesus referred to becoming fishers of men because they were fishermen, shifting from fishing for fish to people. However, according to one source, the concept of fishing would have been understood as being called to join the divine mission of Jesus, bringing about the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is asking the brothers to follow him to become his disciples. Does this mean the brothers needed to figure out how to do this? Did they need to take on the job using their own power? Did they need to earn their way into the kingdom of heaven? No. 
Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus is promising to equip the disciples to join in the work of the kingdom. After the four brothers sign on with Jesus as disciples, we are told that Jesus begins teaching, preaching, and healing. He begins demonstrating the kingdom of heaven. Following this passage, in the Gospel of Matthew, we have the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven and begins teaching how this kingdom of heaven is different than the political kingdom that was expected. In the coming weeks, Pastor Todd will be preaching from the Sermon on the Mount. Today, in our world, Jesus calls us to repent, to turn and follow him, and Jesus promises to equip us as we join in the work of the kingdom. There is the first turning, the first time we hear the call of Jesus to repent. For some of us, it may be a dramatic change, perhaps as dramatic as the four fishermen dropping their nets, walking away from their boats to become disciples of Jesus. For others, that first turning may be the realization that you want to follow in the steps of this Jesus, this Jesus you've heard about from the time you were young. One way to describe our lives as Christians would be journey. As we live and walk in our Christian journey, Jesus invites us to consider additional places in our lives where repentance is needed, places where we can turn and reorient ourselves. It may be a place where we need to change our attitude toward others. It may be a nudge to change how we spend our time or to consider a new place of service. It may be an invitation for a deeper relationship with Jesus. What might it look like to follow God's invitation to turn, to reorient oneself at a deeper level? I want to tell you about Ruby. Ruby grew up in a Mennonite home. She heard stories from the Bible throughout her childhood. She got married, raised two children, attended a Mennonite church, and worked in the same place for most of her adult life. Several years ago, she learned that her job would likely be eliminated within six to 12 months. This was a very difficult time for Ruby. She felt the desire to pray and chose to use, so, to, chose to use the Lord's Prayer. She began by praying the entire prayer and then was drawn to focus more deeply on short phrases that make up the Lord's Prayer. Day after day, she prayed, gaining strength for that difficult time. As she prayed the Lord's Prayer, she became aware of a growing desire to read the Bible. After her job was eliminated, she retired. She decided to read the entire Bible through, every word. She started, with the living, she started and began reading the Living Bible. She found herself reading sometimes as much as two hours a day. She read through the Living Bible and then started over in another version, and then another version. As Ruby talks about this, her face lights up. 
She talks about the Bible becoming alive to her. She shares her growing desire to talk to Jesus when she's experiencing difficulties. And she talks about growing in her ability to give her problems to God without taking them back again. Ruby notes that as a result, she has a greater sense of peace about things that are troubling her and is more accepting and understanding in her relationships with others. Now, I'm not telling this story to say that we should all be reading our Bible for two hours a day. My point is that Ruby noticed the desire that was placed within her by the Holy Spirit, and she turned and reoriented her life toward a deeper relationship with Jesus. My spiritual director sometimes asks me to look at another person, situation, or even myself through the eyes of God. This involves a deep internal shift, a turning away from one's perspective or view of the situation, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, getting a glimpse of the person or situation through the eyes of a loving God. Some months ago, I heard the story of a time of great conflict around an issue in the Church of the Brethren. The conference had taken a year to listen to persons in each district around this issue, but there was deep division among the people. Going into the conference, it seemed very likely that there would be a split in the group that they would part ways by the end of the meeting. A prayer room and a labyrinth were set up and were open throughout the conference. Many persons spent much time in intercessory prayer for the members of the conference. By the end of the conference, a vote was taken. The group had not come to a position of uniformity. Not everyone came to the same place or understanding of the issue. And there were persons who were deeply distressed with the decision that was made by the conference. But the conference was able to come to a place of some unity. They were able to agree to remain in fellowship while agreeing to disagree on this specific issue. In this time of waiting for the fullness of the kingdom, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, persons were able to remain united in their commitment to be church together. Jesus invites us to turn to follow, but Jesus equips us to follow. We are not asked to figure out by ourselves how to bring the kingdom of heaven into our world. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us as we join in God's work of establishing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. I want to give you one final story about God equipping us. I believe the Holy Spirit is guiding us as we walk alongside our guests who come to community meals. There's a woman I will call Kathy, with children ages around 10 to 17, 
who, ha who developed the habit of coming to the basement early before the time for serving the meal. She would insist on staying there rather than waiting in the lobby with the rest of the guests. She was resistive to polite requests to wait in the lobby and verbalized that she was being picked on because she had children and other parents, those with small children, were being allowed to wait for the meal in an area of the basement. Two weeks ago, I believe Pastor Todd was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Before the prayer, he shared a story with our guests. He told of the time his family had spent in China and how when they went to the American Embassy, opened the door, and walked into that house, it was as if they were on American soil. In that house, they were in America. He compared that experience with walking into our church building, which is a holy place, the house of God, a house of peace. He invited our guests to care for each other and to speak kindly to each other in this house of peace. Kathy was noticed to be listening intently to Pastor Todd's story. Later, Annabelle noticed that Kathy was struggling with carrying both her plate and her cup to the table to eat. Annabelle asked Kathy if she could help by carrying her cup. Kathy looked directly at Annabelle and responded with a quiet, yes. At the table, Kathy quietly said, thank you. For that moment, at least, Kathy seemed touched by the loving action extended to her. For that moment, the community meal became a place of peace. Jesus invites us to repent. We are invited to turn and reorient ourselves toward the kingdom of heaven. And through the Holy Spirit, we are equipped to join in the work of the kingdom.